You don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. <laughs> Everyone seems to be aware of that except the current occupant of the White House. And we're going to talk about what's going on in Georgia. Oh, Georgia. All of that and more on today's episode. Welcome back to Pop Into Politics, episode 24. You don't have the votes. I'm very happy I got two songs in, all in the teaser. Hamilton, Cabinet Battle, for those who don't know, that song, and of course, Lil Ray Charles. You don't have the votes. This is Colby here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope everyone had a lovely Thanksgiving. If you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe on your favorite platform and rate me. You can also check out my website, popintopolitics.com. Leave a comment, read some of my blog posts on other topics. Yeah, so you don't have the votes. The current occupant of the White House. Oh, still fighting the inevitable, still fighting the inevitable. 41 legal cases, 41 cases, 27 that have already been withdrawn or dismissed. States have certified their election results, and we still, as of today, do not have a concession from the current occupant of the White House. At this point, I guess we should wait for the Electoral College to meet on the 14th of December. And unless there's any monkey business that is going to happen, which I don't think there will be on any large enough scale, that is, Donald Trump will not be. We fortunately seem to have some cracks, some small cracks in the current occupant of the White House's support from Republicans. Chris Christie's on TV, former governor of New Jersey talking about him like a dog, or at least his legal team. Frequently, Governor Larry Hogan, Maryland, Senator Kramer, North Dakota, Lynn Cheney, Congresswoman from Wyoming, Pat Toomey, of course, in Pennsylvania, coming out and saying that, look, <laughs> he's exhausted his legal challenges at this point. So again, th that's not to give any of these people any profiles and courage, but if that is happening publicly, it'll be, it's interesting what must be going on behind the scenes as Republicans try to not upset the president's rabbit fan base, his cult-like fan base, while obviously trying to deal with the reality on the ground that Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States. You know, when we look back on this period, again, I, I said in the last episode before the holiday, the president does not, there's no rule that he needs to concede. Yeah, there's no rule that he needs to concede. No rule that he needs to be gracious. What is so damaging about this period is just the outright assault on the democratic process and the fact in a democracy uh, of having such a large segment of the population that believes that this election was somehow stolen from them. And uh, we'll be dealing with that long after Donald Trump is gone. That's not that you can't just put that back in the toothpaste tube. And the other thing, of course, that is shocking, looking at these 41 cases and that the Republicans just so openly that the plan here, if it were to have worked, was to just throw out votes, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of votes in certain cases. You know, that's what they're requesting. 
specifically from black and brown communities. Only Democratic counties apparently have voter fraud, can't be trusted. The racial implications of that, the damage to our democracy, and just the, the sheer blatantness of what they were trying to do is shocking. And I feel like there should be more outrage about that. What to do about that, I don't really know. Anyone can go ahead and go to court, even without evidence, and be embarrassed as these folks have been. But definitely really, really damaging. And, you know, not a good way for Joe Biden to have to come into the office. But yes, Mr. President, you do not have the votes. You don't have the votes. <laughs> I love that song in Hamilton. Okay, so what? at some point here, we're winding down season one of Pop Into Politics, and it'll be nice in season two. Hopefully I'll be able in the new year to talk about the current occupant of the White House, the lame duck, the loser, the loser. Less when I actually try to start transitioning to not mentioning that person by name. We'll call him Orange Man, Lame Duck, One Termer, all sorts of things. It'll be nice to not talk about that man. So with that, speaking of you don't have the votes, you don't have the votes. We need to talk about Georgia. Oh, Georgia. The whole world. Okay, I'm going to stop. Georgia. Georgia. So, all eyes on Georgia. And these two special Senate seats. $46 million has already been spent in that race, with another $214 million already allocated to be spent by January, which is just insane for a Senate race here, uh, or two Senate races, I should say. So, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler are trying to hang on to their seats. John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock are trying to unseat them. And this obviously will determine control of the Senate and really will determine what happens in Joe Biden's administration, to be frank. Democrats need to win both of those seats in order to get to 50-50 and then use Kamala Harris as a tiebreaker in the Senate. Republicans only need to win one of those seats. So I feel like this can go either way. First of all, the likelihood of there being like a split ticket seems very unlikely, right? So either the Republicans are going to probably win both of those seats or the Democrats are going to win both of those seats. It's not as though David Perdue or Kelly Loeffler are somehow these two popular candidates. Similarly, John and Raphael Warnock, not that they're not popular, I shouldn't say it in that way, but I don't think that the Democratic base has some sort of really, really strong love affair with either of those two men. So I think Democrats, if they mobilize and get their folks to the polls, they will come out and vote for both of those people. Or obviously, if the Republicans are able to mobilize more of their folks, they will come out and vote for David and Kelly. So... Let's talk about what's going on on the ground there. One of the reasons why is rumored, at least, that the Republicans have been. So one of the reasons why, apparently, Republican leadership is so reluctant to tell the current occupant of the White House that he has lost and he should concede is because they want his assistance and his help down in Georgia to get those folks out to the polls, to get all of those counties, those predominantly white rural counties in Georgia. So pretty much we're talking about getting outside of the Atlanta metro area to get that same turnout that came out for for him, but not just in Georgia, but around the country. Yes, I'm aware he lost Georgia, but 
the the mobilization of Trump supporters was still incredibly high, actually throughout the country in various places. So if Donald Trump can go down there, which he is planning to go down there, I believe in December, that might be helpful to their cause where he can also have some COVID super spreader events because that's been going on. But it's a different topic for a different day. Oh, by the way, I almost forgot. I'm having coffee today. It is early in the morning as we're doing this recording because we have loud people in the neighborhood. Moira Rose reference, Moira Rose Shit's Creek reference. We have loud people in the neighborhood, so uh, I am not boozing this morning as I do this. Just having some coffee. That is my drink. Okay, so the president will go down to Georgia to get some turnout, get people excited, MAGA, get people worked up, and make sure that they come out in January for this special election. And he will be successful in that. Clearly, we should not underestimate the president's ability with his supporters and people who believe in his message to come out and support and to do what he says that they need to do. So what? what's the Democrats' kind of message that's going on? And it seems like they're running from their 2018 handbook that they are, uh, well, talking about health care, people's health care being taken away, potentially, obviously, the COVID crisis. Maybe some moral referendums on the, the two incumbents, on David and Kelly, for their stock trades right before the COVID crisis hit. And uh, I'm not quite sure if that works. I don't know if that's working. Before this current presidential election, I would have thought that that was working in the way that it needed to. But then, obviously, yes, Joe Biden has won, and he's won by a large margin, and he has the most votes in history. Donald Trump has the second most votes um, in history, and I think people need to remember that. So I don't know whether that's going to work. The Republicans seem to be running ads, making this a referendum that if you put in John Ossoff and uh, Raphael uh, Warnock, that you will be giving Democrats a, a blank check in Washington, and that their socialist liberal agenda will take over and ruin the country. And that it's also some language about, especially with Raphael Warnock, being anti-police, being anti-American, that same sort of playbook, which seems to work. It seems to work, and I, and I do feel like Democrats need to deal with the fact that, like, that that works. So, I, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this turns out. I am not optimistic. I was trying not to say that. I feel like I'm supposed to give hope <laughs> on these, on these uh, podcasts. But no, I am not hopeful that, that these two folks will win. I feel like they're not going to win. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I am wrong. I hope I am wrong. If they win, again, that will be a really, really big deal for Joe Biden's incoming administration and policies and all the things that liberals, progressives. And I think people just, if you remove kind of the D or the R from someone's name, you just ask them a question about healthcare, or you ask them about clean water, or if you ask them about common decency, if you can remove all the labels and the noise. I actually believe that more Americans would actually believe and go for democratic policies, but that's not the way politics works. So yeah, I feel like I knew that Mitch McConnell was not going to lose his seat in Kentucky, which he did not lose his seat, obviously. But the question right now is whether or not he's going to be majority leader again, or, or remain majority leader, I should say. And I am nervous that he will, and that it'll be a very, very difficult time for Joe Biden to get anything actually 
I shouldn't say anything accomplished. The big sweeping structural change that people are often looking for, which does not happen easily in American politics. He just frankly will be unable to do that. And so he'll be working along the margins, things in executive orders. And then it'll be interesting to see if Democrats remain patient with him and stand with the Democrats in understanding that, look, there are certain things that if you don't have the votes, that you cannot do. Speaking of messaging and you don't have the votes, one thing that I have not talked about, I wanted to wait until more of the the races and things were called. So this 2020 election has been very interesting because speaking of votes, it does look like people did come out, yes, as a referendum to some degree on Donald Trump. Clearly, he has his supporters, but obviously more people did not want him to be in office. Joe Biden has expanded the popular vote tally. Democrats continue to win the popular vote, I think, in like six or seven out of the last presidential elections. However, Democrats need to understand that that mandate, those margins, are concentrated in cities, specific states, that do not always amount to success in So Democrats need to understand that does not always amount to uh, success in House races. It doesn't always amount to success statewide. And Democrats are just bleeding out, bleeding out when it comes to, in certain places, exurban, rural, different counties, house districts across the country. And the way our system is set up, if you're looking at the Senate, whether it's right, wrong, whether we like like it or not, Wyoming gets two senators, so does California. There's a Republican advantage there. When you think about the way how folks vote geographically, and it's the same in House districts. And so bringing that full circle, Democrats in this election that people thought would be this massive blue wave really looks like it was get Donald Trump out. And that some people did down ballot in certain places go, all right, let me vote for Joe and then let me vote for some Republicans in my specific House districts. Democrats really have not picked up seats in the House. They've lost seats in the House. So Nancy Pelosi's margin will be smaller. She will control the chamber still, but will be smaller. And so just looking ahead in 2022, Again, Senate races will be more difficult for Democrats. This was their best bet for the Senate here in 2020. Similarly, for the House, things will be more difficult for Democrats. Historically, the president's incumbent party, or the incumbent's party, I should say, will lose seats. So if you think back to 2018 with Donald Trump, he was in office. The Republicans initially had the House. They then lose it. In 2022, it looks like the Democrats will have a very slim margin in the House. And so the potential for them losing the House and, well, we don't know whether they're going to get the Senate back yet, but either losing the Senate if they win it here with these two special races or not getting it in 2020. And then obviously probably not getting the Senate back in 2022. None of that bodes well for kind of Democratic priorities. And so if I were a strategist, I would then be thinking about the structural realities uh, that exist within American politics and then what it is I need to do to win. And is my message actually resonating with the American people or in the places that we need to win? I'm afraid that the answer to that question is no, but it doesn't seem like liberals, progressives are quite there yet. It seems as though we're still 
focused on how we think things should be or logically. So the COVID thing, for instance, I live here in New York City. I, you know, take this very seriously. I kind of understand that COVID is tied to the economy and the public health crisis. They are linked. You really can't separate those two things. I get that message. I'm not sure if that's resonating clearly with the vast majority of the American people, or again, the vast majority where folks need to, where we need to win elections if we want to have the sorts of margins that you would need in Congress to then be able to have the sort of large legislative achievements or sweeping change that people are looking for. So it'll be interesting as we move into President-elect Joe Biden's administration, how that's dealt with. And some of the forces within the Democratic Party, which is a very diverse coalition, of actually understanding that something's off. Had you told me, I thought that Joe Biden would win the election, which he did, and basically by the margin generally that I thought he would. I knew that he'd win the popular vote. I knew some of the states that I thought that he would win, but I would have thought that he would have had some some support in the Senate and some of these House races, that things would have been not as tight. So you look at that data, you look at that evidence, and then you think, okay, what's not registering? And so there's already, you know, there's been some noise in the press about maybe Democrats calling yourself socialists, whether or not people actually understand what that means. People might be confusing, you know, Bernie Sanders is not trying to turn the United States into a socialist country, as one would say, Venezuela or Cuba. Regardless of that fact, people don't seem to understand that message. Or Republicans have done a very good job of branding Democrats in a certain way. How do you deal with that? Maybe COVID, Joe Biden was able to win, I think, talking about the soul of the, of the country, I think just running like an adult, actually, I think probably was enough for him to pull this out. But I don't know whether COVID is actually registering with the electorate in the way that I would think it should, or maybe the rest of the world watching us from abroad <laughs> thinks it should. But again, at what point does the party actually deal with that? When you're talking about racial justice issues, Black Lives Matter, all of that needs to be dealt with. I think there's a certain way that you talk about those things. I don't know whether you should be running around saying we're going to defund the police, especially if you're not going to actually defund the police. These are things that I think the party is going to have to, to deal with if they want to stop losing congressional control, losing races, and not getting the type of agenda that they want passed. So, it, it should be interesting. It should be interesting to see what happens in Georgia, what happens in 2022, which I know probably sounds crazy that I'm already talking about 2022, but in political years, that's like, I don't know, like tomorrow, basically. <laughs> they have folks already need to be kind of planning for that. The one other thing in the Georgia race that I should mention is in American politics, when Republicans want to run ads, it's usually Nancy Pelosi and liberals and poor Nancy has been, he's kind of the boogeyman, boogie woman, I should say. But this time in Georgia, it's Chuck Schumer, AOC and that crowd that gets to be the boogie, boogie men and boogie women for this race. But Chuck Schumer, after the current lame duck president lost, was there's a video circulating where he's in Brooklyn on the day that Joe Biden is announced as president-elect and saying, okay, now we're on to Georgia, and as Georgia goes, so does the country. Well, 
They are running, that is one of the main ads they're running on loops and loops and loops in Georgia. It'll be interesting to see if that, again, scares enough people. I think the other thing, too, that we know from history, not just in this country, just history in general, human beings, and the Republicans don't seem to have a problem using this, but fear is an incredibly motivating factor for people politically, whether that's fear of your taxes being raised, fear of a job going to someone else besides you, fear of losing your business because of COVID shutdowns, perhaps, fear of Black people coming into your neighborhoods, fear of immigrants, fear, (laughs) fear, fear works. And I am not encouraging Democrats to become the party of fear, but I think there needs to be an understanding that that works. It has always worked. It continues to work. And so then what what do we say? What do you do to counteract that? Fear of socialized medicine, just fear, whether it's logical or not. But it to me, I look at these races and you look at the data. And again, it's great that Joe Biden is the president-elect and then will be the president. But Joe Biden as one person isn't going to be able to, to fix things or fix things maybe at the speed in which we would like. And got to help the man He's got to have the votes. He's got to have the vote to get things done. And the way things are looking, that seems unlikely. You don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. Which brings me, I think, to my final point in You Don't Have the Votes. Such an aptly titled episode because it applies to the lame duck president. Doesn't seem to understand that he's lost. It applies to control of the Senate, obviously. And it applies to... Democrats, progressives, folks in, I'm going to say, the more liberal wing of the party and kind of the pressure that they're going to put on Joe Biden. So just playing this out, even if Joe or the Democrats, I should say, get control of the Senate 50-50 and with Kamala doing a tie, you do have some Democratic senators who have already mentioned some liberal and progressive policies that they will not support. So um really looking at Joe Manchin, who's a Democrat from West Virginia. And obviously for Joe Manchin to stay in office, there are certain things that Joe Manchin can or cannot vote for as a senator from West Virginia, as opposed to someone like, I don't know, Dianne Feinstein in California, or Chuck Schumer from New York, Kirsten Gillibrand. You can go down your list if you start thinking about folks and, and some of the senators. Politically speaking, does that make Joe Manchin less of a Democrat or uh, a bad person, not liberal or progressive enough? There seems to be that sort of argument and that sort of fight that always seems to happen on the Democratic side. I don't know whether that's going to serve us well in these upcoming these upcoming years. To me, it seems like compromise People should already prepare themselves for some compromise on the Democratic side, where just simply, if you don't have the votes, there's certain things you might not be able to do. And you should not have kind of this public tri-party fight where you're tearing one another apart just based on that reality. So again, even just looking at the makeup of the Senate, if they have control there are certain things that they still won't be able to do. So again, I picked on Joe Manchin, but for instance, the Supreme Court, Joe Manchin has already said if they do have control there, he is not going to vote for expanding the Supreme Court. There's going to be people on the left, progressives who are angry with that or or want change with that. It's not going to happen. Joe Manchin has his reasons for that, whether it's belief in the institution, belief in not doing this tit for tat, 
belief in the fact that that wouldn't play well with his constituents in West Virginia, at which point when Joe Manchin is up for re-election, if someone runs uh, against him to the right of him or a Republican senator, if they lose that seat, would it be worse to have that person being another Republican vote than having Joe Manchin there, right? These are the sorts of political realities that sometimes it doesn't seem as though all of the Democratic caucus seems to, in both chambers, whether it be the House or the Senate, seems to understand. Obviously, if they don't take control of anything, then it's it's totally a moot point anyway. But these are sorts of things that folks need to be focused on in politics. So it wasn't enough to just vote for Joe Biden. It was that you needed to win some of these other races. And we didn't win those other races. And Joe Biden's going to have to govern in that reality. Does that mean that everyone on the left and progressive should be throwing tomatoes at him every day? I don't know whether that's fair or if the alternative, as we've just seen over the last four years, is any better. So yeah, you don't have the votes, folks. You don't have the votes. I will be back next week as we begin to close out season one of Pop Into Politics. We have four more episodes before I end season one. And I cannot believe that I've been doing this for 24, 25 weeks at this point. I appreciate everyone who's been listening and supporting me and supporting my sort of dorky political love affair and cause um, and listening to me sing. I will be back next week. We'll see what crazy things happen in the country. See if the president, the lame duck president, understands he needs to concede. If anything changes, I doubt it. The Electoral College doesn't meet by next week. Doesn't look like even then <laughs> that there will be any changes on his on his part. But I am confident that he will be leaving one way or the other. With that, everyone stay safe and well. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Things are not looking good here in the United States. Yes, there's a vaccine on the way, but that doesn't change the reality on the ground at the moment. So wear a mask. Have a safe and lovely week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll be back every Monday with new episodes. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe or follow me. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Google, Alexa, wherever you prefer to find your podcasts. You can also follow my Instagram at Pop Into Politics. Until next time, sending good vibes and well wishes to you all. Thanks for listening.